gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I am Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers. And today I wanted to talk to everyone about obesity in hunting dogs. I don't know how many times I can tell you I have been told by people that they have this big, muscular, 120-pound dog. And everyone always shows like they have big muscles. They always go, I got a 120-pound dog. And they, they like make their muscles big. And in theory, I'm picturing that they have a beer barrel with paws. Now, there are some dogs that are big. Not saying they're not. But in general, dogs are incredibly obese. Which, in fairness to dogs, is probably mirroring our society for the two-legged hunters. It is hard enough for us to keep ourselves fit, but it is abuse to have your dog where they are incredibly overweight. As people, we try to think about it as almost rationalizing the dog's weight in comparison to our own. We'll look and we'll say, you know what, the dog's only 10 pounds overweight. But if it's a 50-pound dog, that means that that dog is 20% overweight, which would mean that would be me at 240 pounds. If I had 40 extra pounds on me and tried to go out and run around, I would know that I had 40 extra pounds on me. When we think about all the extra pressure that puts on ligaments and joints, people, we are killing our dogs. When I get dogs in for training, if I, let's say, got 10 dogs in, fictitious number, throw it out there, 10 dogs in for training, I would say six of those dogs will be overweight. Six. 60% of the dogs I get in are overweight. And I'm not talking a few pounds. I'm talking probably 20% or more overweight. Stop looking at it as pounds. Look at it as percentage. I think that'll help people more when you think of a percentage because then instead of rationalizing it compared to your own weight, well, it's only 10 pounds. If you think of it as 20 or 30% and then put that to your own weight, maybe that'll, I guess, hit home. Vets are terrible about it as well. I've gotten so many dogs in where the vets tell these people that their dogs are at a good weight. And I think part of it is they don't want to offend the uh, the owners, because the owners are over, overweight as well. And I always tell people, I'm like, hey, you know what? I am constantly in the battle of the bulge. I'm constantly trying to lose weight myself. But with your dogs, it's easy. Put the treats away. People think of it as calories you need for your dog. If I have a dog that is on three cups of food a day, and I'm giving the dog two or three milk bones during the day, that's actually the same caloric equivalent of one more cup of food. Now, 
I will argue that people that give dogs treats give well more than two or three a day. They're probably giving 10 or 12 treats a day to the dog. And if they are in that bad calorie range, you're talking about doubling or tripling your dog's caloric intake. So now we can see why the dogs are so big. You look at the amount of dogs that have ACL injuries, knee injuries, and it has just exploded. Now, they feel there might be a genetic uh, component to it and that there might be a way to test for it. The one thing I can attest to is that 90% of the dogs that I've seen that have had a knee injury where they necessitated surgery were well overweight. Those same dogs, the people didn't bring the weight down on them and ended up with two surgeries. You're talking probably somewhere in the neighborhood of five to $7,000 of surgeries on a dog. And a lot of it could have been avoided if you just had the dog at a healthy weight. My dogs that we sell here at Soggy Acres Retrievers, our males run 65 to 75 pounds. They look like good-sized dogs. Now, they're not big and muscular looking like people think they are because they're not wide. Again, the reason they're wide is you basically have, in most instances, blubber over their bones and muscle. They are at that weight when they are very fit. My dogs, you can just see barely faintly see the last uh, the last rib on the rib cage and with all dogs if you put your hands on their sides and lightly rub back and forth you should feel the ribs if you don't your dog is overweight we ask them to do such wonderful things and dogs if they're bred properly have so much drive and so much go and so much desire that they would run through a brick wall for you so even though they are obese, they will run through a brick wall, and that is where you're having your dogs that have to be retired well before they should have. Uh, my dog's Rommel is 15. He's the last few years has gone downhill, uh, his, his, his ability to get around physically, <coughs> especially the last six months. Pickett is 13. He could still hunt. He is still built like a brick shithouse, pardon the language, and still has good muscle tone and looks like a dog that is about six or seven years old, short of the white face, white paws, and uh, white tip on his tail and white feet. As far as his muscle tone and his build, he still looks like a young dog. And all of that is because we are incredibly meticulous on the dog's weight. For those that like to give dogs treats, and I know there's a lot, and everyone always says, well, the dogs always seem so hungry. They're labs. You could literally feed a lab 12 cups of food a day and they would be still hungry. I mean, it, it is unbelievable how, the, how those dogs eat and how excited they get about it. But if you really want to give your dogs treats still, then the simple way to have your dogs so they're calorically controlled, so you have them so that they are, are in a position where they're not going to get fat, measure out their food in the morning and you could give them, let's say again, we're doing three cups that your dog's on three cups of food. We could do a cup and a quarter in the morning, cup and a quarter at night, and then you could have a half a cup of food where you could give the dog treats. They don't care if it's a milk bone or their kibble. They think that whichever one of those they get, it's a treat and it's wonderful. So you can actually measure out their food, still give them treats, and you're not putting them in, in this position where they've got a huge calorie over overage and they're, they're putting on weight. 
again, when you look at dogs and you look at the explosive athletic things we do, if you were 30 or 40% overweight, how would you do in the field? I also hear people that will say that if you put dogs on diets, oh my gosh, you got to have them on X amount of food a day because otherwise they won't get their nourishments. They're burning fat, which is nourishments. And you don't have to have them on these huge elaborate diets where you're adding all this stuff in. I have a dog. Her name is Memphis. She is 50 pounds. One time she had 55 pounds. We put her on three quarters of a cup in the morning, three quarters of a cup at night. Now, again, she would eat 10 cups of food. She's actually gotten into the food and eaten probably 10 cups of food and looked like a, a little, a little uh, a fat tick. But we took the weight off of her. She was 10% overweight. She's a 50-pound dog. Uh, when I get dogs in for training out in the kennel, I will generally put them on one to one and a half cups twice a day because most of them are overweight and get that weight off of them and get them in shape. It's not safe. It's not healthy to run a dog at full speed if they're not in that position where they're at a good weight. You are putting so much more stress on their joints, so much more stress in their ligaments. It just, it destroys our dogs. Most of your kennels like ours, we actually have in our, our health guarantee that if the dog would be, would be uh, said to be dysplastic by the vet, that we reserve the right to see the dog and we want vet records to show the weight the dog was at. And it nullifies our health guarantee if your dog is obese. Why? Because that's what's fair. We're giving you a dog that we're breeding to the best of our ability, breeding healthy. And if you're putting that dog in an unhealthy position and that is going to cause their joint issues, it's not on the breeder. So again, when you look at your dog, I know we all love them. Have the love for them to not have them 20, 30, 40% overweight. Use your treats. Measure out your food. Use your food as treats. They won't care. They'll think it's awesome. So I hope it wasn't too preachy, but it's something that I see over and over in dogs and it just bothers me. I see them and I just feel sorry for them. We don't need to be in the position to kill our dogs early. And that is what you're doing when you're putting them overweight. We can get into the two-legged hunter argument. I am constantly on a diet again. I've got friends that are that are in their upper 40s, uh, 40s into uh, low 50s, and I'm seeing them where they're getting hip replacements and knee replacements, and I am trying to get weight off myself because I'll be damned if I'm not going to be the 85, 85-year-old guy that is walking to go hunt and enjoying what I love, which is being out in the field and having my dogs with me. I won't have Rommel or Pickett because they'll, they'll, they'll be long gone by then, but I'll have three or four generations later of my favorite dogs out with me in the field. So if you want a New Year's res resolution, make it to get yourself in shape, but especially make this year to get your dog in shape. Thank you so much for listening to this part of the show. Coming up next is our training tip, and after that we'll have a hunting tip after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. On today's training tip, we're going to talk about the importance of the kennel command. Now, every training, I guess, style that you use is going to have a command that is going to put the dog in a stationary position at some point, and that is either place or it's kennel or to go to your spot, 
Um, I'm probably missing one or two, but those are the three that I've heard. I use kennel not just to mean going to kennel, but basically to go in the house. I need I use it to go to go into uh, the vehicle. I use it to actually come up on the couch and hang out with me. Uh, I also use it for going into a kennel and sitting at a place. The dog knows that when I am saying kennel and I'm gesturing toward what I want them to go to, that means to get on, go in, or or make themselves in that spot and have them stay there. When you are working out of a duck blind or you are working out of a dog blind, if you're using kennel and then, again, telling the dog over and over again, kennel, good dog, kennel, good dog, as you're doing your training, you're throwing uh, throwing bumpers or birds and you're saying kennel and you're keeping them in there until the release command, they understand that kennel means stationary where they're at. Again, other training techniques, uh, one of the most popular ones is place. I guess I've never used place just because I use kennel. Place would, 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 would be the same thing. You're going to go and you're going to sit on whatever your place is. And that would be to go there and be stationary. But again, have a command, kennel or place or whatever else you come up with that is going to tell the dog that is where I want you to be and to stay there. And you're going to use that more in the field than a lot of the other commands just because of the fact that you are needing to, again, work with your dog as a teammate and keep them under control. So the importance of the kennel command should never be looked looked uh, past or the importance of the place command. Use those commands and you'll have more success in the field. That's it for this training tip. Stay tuned for next as we go over a hunting tip after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show and to today's hunting tip. I think back to whenever I miss a bird and just about always what happens is I'm actually looking for the bird to drop and I don't have my cheek down firmly on the gun looking straight down at the barrel. I try to explain that to my kids. It is so important. You got to make sure your, your, your face is down where you cannot see any part of the barrel except for uh, the sight on your shotgun. And every time that I miss, I will pull up and I'll realize that I did not shoulder the gun properly and get my, get my face down where I am actually shooting. I honestly, most of the shots I miss when I do this are easy shots. When I have a bird that comes in or that flushes close, I will actually just assume it's going to drop. And it's almost, I don't know what it is with my form, but it's almost like you are sitting there going, it's going to fall. So again, make sure you're getting your cheek down on the stock of your gun, that you can't see any of the barrel except for the sight, and you will have so much more success in the field. I hope that helps you succeed more this next year. That's it for today's hunting tip. Thank you so much for listening to today's show, and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here.